We're back with On Second Thought from GPB. I'm Virginia Prescott. The Winter Sisters is a new historical fiction novel set in Lawrenceville, Georgia, circa 1822. A self-righteous doctor arrives in the tiny backwater town, eager to treat what he believes could be an impending rabies epidemic. And he's shocked to learn that citizens favor folk remedies over what he considers tried and true scientific methods namely bloodletting, amputations, and copious amounts of ether. It is a cinematic tale weaving deeply researched historical facts on the medicine and language of its time, along with richly imagined fantasies of Southern folklore come to life. To find these stories, Tim Westover went straight to the source, to the people and town of Lawrenceville, Georgia. He didn't have to go far. It's where he calls home. Tim, welcome. Thank you very much. The Winter Sisters is set in 1822. Now, this is an interesting time, pretty much smack in the middle of the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. You've got this transitional period, a time that really doesn't get a lot of attention in in history, uh, American history anyway. Why did you choose that time and place? Precisely because it didn't get that much interest. So there's so much about the Revolutionary War, even the War of 1812, and then the Civil War. And I specifically shy away from those two things. I just don't feel like I could do them very well. So I wanted to dive into something that wasn't as well explored, maybe had a little bit more Cherokee history or Cherokee mm-hmm. background. This was before the Trail of Tears. It was. It was before the the Georgia Gold Rush as well. And actually, a lot of Cherokee history happened in Lawrenceville, Georgia as well. There were a couple of trials that were part of the Trail of Tears that took place in the courthouse that I can see from my office window. Wow. So as an historical fiction writer, this is a rich place. But part of your process is researching the small folk stories from the places you set your novel. So how do you find these stories? Oh, going into a lot of books that look very boring on the surface, but then are very interesting when you get inside them. So even land records or tax records to find crazy names for people. I love anything that starts with Proceedings of the Blank County Historical Society, Mm -hmm. because those are always going to be collections of my grandmother always did this and my mom always swore by this. I love those little tiny stories. So The Winter Sisters is your second book. Mm-hmm. Both do lean heavily on the magical and the fantastical. How, how do you balance that, the fantastic, the fantasy with the facts? Because a lot of this is based on the historical fact. Right. Well, a folktale to me is an interesting mix of fact and fantasy. So a folktale is something that is not true, but might have been believed as it were true, or that people took as a foundational myth or an idea for how they would behave in life or organize society. So it itself is always going to be a blend of fact and fantasy. And what I play with in the book is this doubt or debate between what's fact and what's fantasy. And your main character, the educated doctor, he's so certain that what he believes is what's correct. You as the reader, 170 years later, know that that is not at all the correct answer. But that was absolutely the established 100% truth at the time. Right. And then on the other side, we have these sisters 
the herbal, downright mysterious medicine that was practiced by this trio of sisters, again, a trio of sisters, which is significant. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the distinction between how effective they are, respectively, is not really clear. You know, based on your research, what can you tell us about this transition from traditional folk medicines to more, and I'm putting scientific uh, in quotes, based based medicine? Right. Well, we have one sister who's primarily concerned with herbal cures and herbal folklore. And there are a lot of herbs that have turned into modern medicines. Preparation H is just witch hazel. Aspirin is willow bark. And quinine to treat malaria comes from the chincona tree. So there's not as big a divide in those herbal medicines from modern medicines, as some people might think. Now, our our other sisters have more of a, a mystical approach to it. And I think that speaks to the modern growing focus or growing interest in how the mind or the body itself heals the body. Mm -hmm. There's the placebo effect, which absolutely is real. Absolutely real. And so just believing that you are getting better will make you better. Well, you work in healthcare as your day job, I understand. I do. I'm a computer programmer for software that's used in healthcare laboratories. So very scientific-based, very, very fact-based. Yes. So I'm curious about what your colleagues think about this research into folk medicine. Have you talked with them about that? Well, I had a package come to the office the other day when I was out, and I said, if anybody picks up that package, you might want to wear gloves. And they said, why? And I said, well, it's filled with 19th century medical chemicals, <laughs> some of which may be poison. And it turned out to be like tincture of rhubarb and ammonia and things that weren't too bad. Well, the, you, you've brought up something else that is in here, the whole patent medicine, the cure for everything, you know, just drink this oil. This was a huge part of both the economy and, and travel in the, in the 19th century, peddled by snake oil salesmen prevailing at the time. Right. And snake oil salesmen, because a lot of it might have actually had oil derived from snakes in it. That mm-hmm. was something that they, they advertised as, as a cure. It's, in some ways, it reminds me of what some people will say about certain vitamins and supplements and herbs and essential oils. It harkens back to that era for me where I think people are looking for some kind of alternative to the medical practice of the day. And in the 19th century, it was heroic medicine. Medicine is hard. Medicine is painful. Medicine is difficult. And also medicine didn't work. In the 21st century, medicine in a lot of ways still is hard and painful and difficult. Unfortunately for us, after 200 years of science, it does work. So the book really, I mean, it is about that desire to be fixed. You say it pushes people to think about their sense of belief. How do, how do you think that the novel works on that part of us that wants to know that something can be fixed? Well, our, our main character can't live with doubt. He's a scientist. He wants to understand. But then the things that he doesn't understand are what drives him crazy and drives him to some extreme actions towards the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And... I think that we all have this desire to know, desire to understand, and we're very uncomfortable with something that appears to be reality, but we can't connect to our, whatever our belief system may be, whether it's academic, whether it's scientific. If something exists outside of that, but appears to be real, that is a strong 
disconnect in our brains. And sometimes we do crazy things to try and integrate those two things in our own minds. There's something that speaks to that in the book, the passage in the Winter Sisters. This is when Dr. Waycross, that's the name of the main character, first arrives in Lawrenceville and uses ether just before going to sleep in a hog pen. I'm wondering if you could read that little bit. Sure. Ether's sweet smell lingers long in the nose. It tickles the brain just at the front above the eyes. The holes in the roof revealed small spots of stars, the lamp of the heavens shining down upon me. The straw was fresh, a breeze curled through the worm-ridden walls. Outside, hogs in good company murmured among themselves, and I fancied I could hear their jokes. The voice of an owl echoed, and the hogs and I found this a first-rate delight. I cuddled farther into the straw. Why, a man is just a hog with shoes on. I knocked off my boots. They fell down from the hayloft and rang out like fireworks upon the floor below. The stars exploded in reds and greens and yellows. Then, wonder of wonders, the window and the roof fell away, and the whole sky spread out like a pasture before my eyes. In the center was the moon, the great hog-nosed moon. The hogs made worshipful oinks, and I joined in their chorus. So he's, he's an addict. He's tripping, yeah. <laughs> he's going out there. Definitely. No. But was that a real problem, especially for practitioners at that time, addiction? Oh, yeah. Well, the, our current opioid crisis is not the first opioid crisis, going back to whether it's the Chinese opium trade and Chinese opium crisis or addicts to ingredients that would have been in common medicines at the time. Hmm. Well, the proceeds of this novel are going to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, which is a generous but unusual move. What, what motivated that? I think it dovetails so nicely with the themes of the book, which on the first level are about, about medicine in Georgia, but then specifically I'm working with the Child Life Department which is trying to help patients and their families find some kind of peace or distraction, normalization in the middle of these very trying times for kids and their families. Mm. So I've been working with them to update some of their video game systems. I know some people might think you know, video game systems, you know, who needs, who needs a Nintendo when you're in the hospital? That's one of the times when you need a Nintendo to feel like for 10 minutes you can be a regular kid. Uh, there was another amount that went towards a program where they are providing video games and VR systems that adapt better to people with different medical conditions. So not everyone can hold the same kind of controller or watch the TV in the same way. Mm -hmm. So it's going to have VR goggles and specially designed controllers to be a more inclusive experience. So that's a kind of medicine in its own way, that Absolutely. experience. Absolutely, yeah. And addressing not just the biological cause of the problem, but helping to heal the whole person, keep them feeling better in themselves, and then seeing how that can feed back into the body and address those biological and pathological symptoms as well. Tim Westover, thank you so much. Thank you. Tim Westover's book is called The Winter Sisters. You can find links to more on his book and on the Child Life Department, which the proceeds of this book go to fund at gpbnews.org. We will leave you with one of the songs featured in the novel. This is I Wish I Was a Mole in the Ground, recorded by Bascom Lamar Lunsford for OK Records right here in Atlanta. Well, Tempe wants the $9 show. Yes, Timmy wants a nine dollar show. 
When I come over the hill with a $40 bill tip, baby, where you been so long? 